Hey everyone, welcome to Librarians Assemble, your premier audio resource for all things libraries and comics. I am Josh Stone, and with me, as always, now... Is Angel Gensinger? Yep, there she is, Angel Gensinger. I can say, now I can say, as always, because that's how it is now, guys. You have a dynamic duo in your lives. Woot! So, Angel, it's been a couple weeks since we talked. Well, with microphones in front of us, at least. Um, (laughs) How goes it? It goes, it goes. I've uh, I've learned the ins and outs of uh, baby vaccinations now. Yeah, we were just talking a little Super. bit about that. What what's going on? Uh, Bucky had his four month vaccines, mm. one of which apparently is a doozy because it is, it is. screamed for like eight hours solid. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> with um... breaks only to eat and pass out. I think at one point it's probably passing out from the screaming. Like, exactly. Ah, ugh, I'm out of oxygen. I got to take a nap. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, we, we were just saying, I'm not going to bore you with the story all over again, but we were just saying before we hit record. So he got his rubella shot and I am probably one of the few adults who understands how painful a rubella shot is because when we were younger, we didn't need to get a rubella shot. It wasn't part of the required one, so I guess I never got one. Or if I did, I no longer have documentation of it. So when I went off to college, I had to get it. And when the the nurse was giving me the shot, she's like, all right, this one's going to burn a little bit. And me being a like 20, 19-year-old kid, whatever I was, I was like, okay, fine, whatever. And then I was like couple seconds later i'm like oh yeah that really does kind of burn and then like 15 more seconds later, i'm like oh my god my whole arm is on fire oh my god everything burns in my arm what is that and she's like yeah yep. she's like now you understand why babies cry i'm like oh my god they're little they can't handle like, why would you do this to them exactly yeah i remember oh. like it basically for me i guess as an adult it lasts like that burning sensation lasted my drive home and I still go to that. I moved away, but when I came back, I, I go back to that office. That office was probably about a thirty-minute drive from oh where from where I lived at the time. So it pr- took probably a good thirty minutes for the like all of the burning sensation to go away. So I one hundred percent how little understand how little man's feeling there. Yes, he's got. He all had my... he had the shots on Monday midday. Yes, and he finally was kind of back to my normal happy baby last night so if you're all wondering why (laughs) this podcast is hitting your ears probably on a thursday morning yeah that's that's why little man we're gonna podcast monday night but there was no way you'd be able to hear me over the screaming of my child and then you need to get some sleep last night oh my lord monday night was rough Yeah. (laughs) yeah i've been dealing with a sick dog for a while and no. Last night was kind of rough for us. He, he was having a kind of a bad night. So, yeah, man, people, uh, living creatures needing needing love and care. I don't I don't understand what that's about. You know. Yep. Why can't they just let me do my business? <laughs> <laughs> so when we're not tending to creatures that need all of our attention, yes. What else do you been up to? You read or see anything cool lately? Um, I watched SummerSlam. I watched SummerSlam too. <laughs> I'm so, very sad about Finn. Um, and this be next, six just months. just for the people out there who do not care about professional wrestling, this next conversation will probably last about, I'd say, 10, 15 minutes at the most. So 
we won't be won't, we won't be completely offended if you want to skip a little bit. Um, we'll be marginally offended though. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, SummerSlam. Uh, hit me hit me with your with your feelings. Other than yeah, I mean SummerSlam the event, and then we can talk about how I legitimately almost cried on Monday. <laughs> oh God, why did you cry on Monday? I said I almost cried when Finn when we when it came out that oh, Finn was I know. like not going to be okay. Oh. I was like God. oh that's so sad. So when I, I came to when I came to see you on Sunday before SummerSlam, I was wearing my Finn shirt. I was wearing my Baylor Club shirt. Yes, you were. Um, the cool guy at the front whose name escapes me now. Alex. Alex. He's the wrestling fan at the front, right? He's a huge wrestling yeah. fan. He, and he may be listening to this podcast, so shout out to Alex. Oh, shout out to Alex, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, he and I talked a little bit about wrestling. We also bonded over the fact that we both enjoy a, a podcast called We Watch Wrestling. Yes. So if you're a fan of professional wrestling and comedy, that show is amazing. That's one of my favorite podcasts. Um, but yeah, so how do you feel about SummerSlam? I have mixed feelings. Um, I just, I don't know. It it was good. (laughs) It was good when it was good, and it was not good when it was was not good. Yeah, I'd say, like... I wasn't a fan of the 12-man tag. Oh, I did not watch that. That was on the the pre-show? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't really yeah. watch the pre-show. The I, try to, I try to avoid those kickoff shows because they're always like an hour or two, and I'm like, Jesus, this, the, the Usos the, and the, and it's always it's generally people I don't care about. I was offended yeah. that poor Sami Zayn was on the pre-show, but I know I don't get what that's about. But I did enjoy the pairing with Neville, though. That's a good pairing. Mm-hmm. That's a good a good showing there. Um, yeah, for me, I was like. AJ and and Cena was good. Mm-hmm. Was a really good match. I thought Seth and, and Finn, especially given what happened to Finn, was a really good match. Yes. And I think that's it. <laughs> the rest of them from from my from my take at least. I well and I had high hopes for Charlotte and Sasha. And I think it would have been better if if Sasha weren't injured going in. Mm-hmm. And then, like, there was one, there was one botch where Charlotte kind of like dropped Sasha in a weird way, and like she kind of just like fell off the turnbuckle, and like we were all we when we were watching it here, we were like, oh my god, oh my god, Sasha's dead. Like yeah. we were kind of aghast, and I love Sasha Banks, so I oh, was yeah. like, oh god, no. I mean. I think my favorite of all the women wrestlers right now, if I'm going to be honest, is Alexa Bliss. I loved her on NXT, and she's just amazing. See, my favorite's Bailey. Oh yeah, well, yes. I love me some Bailey. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're taking Bailey and Sasha out of the equation, because they're so like just so great that they're like next level. Yeah. But yeah, Bailey's great. Thank God Bailey came out on Raw because oh. Raw was rough. Raw was when rough. When we found out that. Or my boyfriend Finn Balor is gonna miss six months of action, oh. and had to give up the belt oh. that he just won. So that and was... you could see the tears in his eyes. Even Stephanie McMahon looked really sad when he was coming yep. out. Man, like it was, it was pretty sad. It was pretty sad all around. And my husband's making fun of me because I'm screaming at the TV, telling McFoley to get his hands off the belt. Dude, I know. I'm like, so, yeah. he's not done talking yet. Get your hand off the belt. 
Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, Mick was real eager to get that belt off him. Uh-huh. I wonder if Mick maybe doesn't like Finn. I don't know. Um, I was excited, though, even though... Okay, I understand he's a heel, but I still want to punch Seth Rollins in the face oh, every time then, I see him come on the screen. That's because he's, he's good at his he's job. He's good at his job. <laughs> but I was super excited to see Sami Zayn come out. That was fun. That was fun. That was fun. I like how they played up the angle that Seth hurts people and then well, made, it look like, made it look <laughs> like uh, Sammy twisted his ankle and everything. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, okay, so one more thing then, and then we'll move off of wrestling. What's your take on the Brock Randy thing? Oh, Lord. Okay. I love Randy Orton. I also think that Brock Lesnar has no business in wrestling. Stick with UFC because you obviously have no idea how strong you are. I keep like stop yeah. hurting people. I know. Him and Seth, both of them need to stop what hurting a... people. Okay. Um yeah, Seth Okay, so Seth hurt Finn, but Finn kind of didn't was turned the wrong way when he went into the No, that's true. It wall. is true. The I other guy he hurt recently sense. was Sting, who was 60-some-odd years old, I think. Yes. And hurt himself. Like, he hurt himself running off of a rope. That wasn't really Seth's <laughs> problem. And no. I forget who it was before. I, I guess John Cena? Cena. I I when he broke his nose. I wasn't watching then. Oh, it was so. wicked. I had... I This SummerSlam marked the one-year anniversary of me being back in wrestling. Back into wrestling. So uh-huh. that was pretty cool. But yeah, that that Brock uh, that Brock Randy thing was pretty weird. Well, and WWE announced today that they fined Brock Lesnar five hundred dollars. Yes, a whole five hundred dollars. Yeah, I heard that on SmackDown last night. Um, so yeah, there are rumors that that's how it was supposed to go. Like it was supposed to make it seem like Brock was out of control, and that was going to be a big storyline. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was supposed to bust his head open like that. No. Well, 10 stitches is not... Staples. They kept saying no, staples. staples. So yeah. uh, to me, that's Either way, more... Either 10 like, things sealing your head back up. <laughs> seems like it's more intense. I don't know, really, but... Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we're being worked or if it's, if it's legit. But w- either way, man, that is... That that was uncomfortable to watch. Yes. Yes. And speaking of uncomfortable to watch with one more wrestling thing, do you guys watch SmackDown? I watched part of it, Chris did not. Uh you guys have the network, obviously. On the network, mm-hmm. they have a show now called Talking Smack. Oh my god. Did you see yes. did you see the interaction with Miz and Daniel Bryan? Yes. Yes Holy I did. Holy oh. heck. <laughs> That would talk about uncomfortable, man. That was super uncomfortable because it was one of those things that I think went from a it was, a, a planned action mm-hmm. to it just went off the rails. Yeah, like because I think Miz genuinely was offended. Maybe, yeah, by the coward line. Because if you saw the vein bulging uh-huh. in the middle of that dude's forehead, that was not just, you know. No, playing up it, the role that was that was genuine pissed offness it, it's gonna be <laughs> in, it's gonna be real interesting to see where that goes because like 
that seemed like one of those things where it's like, okay, here are a couple talking points. Let's hit these. This is going to be our storyline. And then they both were like, well, let's amp it up. Like, I'm hoping that they were both like, well, let's amp it up as much as we can to really get the heat. Yeah. And that they both aren't really mad at each other or anything right now. Because, I mean. I don't know. Because the way Daniel talked off. I know. I feel like he was had to leave or he was going to punch Miz in the face. I know. It was it was real intense. Oh, that's another one where I'm like, are we being worked or are they really? If we are, that is they're good. That is the finest acting I've seen in a long time. Well, Miz Miz (laughs) is a Hollywood A-lister. I don't know what to tell you. Oh, yeah. yeah, I don't know how to break this to you. <laughs> Back in his real world days. Oh, yeah. yeah they, he was they, Louisiana, they, right? Oh, I don't remember. So. Um, Christina would know, though. I, um, we were watching wrestling because she doesn't really watch. She'll kind of like tune in and out when I'm watching it or, you know, when Amir and I are watching. But she saw The Miz one day and she's like, wait, wasn't wasn't he in the real world? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, actually, he was. She's like, oh my god, I remember him. He was, he was a asshole in that too. Yep. I'm like, yeah, well, that's kind of his character. Um, who knows how he is in real life, but that's his character. So, all right. He's that, apparently really nice in real life. I'm sure he is. I mean, I, I imagine like quite a few of those dudes probably are, but not all of them. All right, so any other last words on wrestling, and or should we allow the other people to come back into the room now? Yeah, come back in the room. That's okay, cool. guys, you can come back. <laughs> you can come back now. Stop fast-forwarding. Stop fast-forwarding. Okay. <laughs> all right, so today's episode is all about a topic that's near and dear to my heart, one of my favorite genres in the graphic novel medium. That's right, people. I just did that correctly. Um... Graphic novel memoirs. I think it is one of the best examples of how graphic novels really expand the medium and really reach new heights. Some of the best works of literature we have in graphic novels, in my opinion, again, these are all my opinion, come from graphic novel memoirs. And some of the some of the most popular ones, some of the ones people like just the every the everyday reader will know are graphic novel memoirs. <clears throat> I think they really add a sense of the only word that's coming into my head is offensive and I'm sorry. Remember that I read these things too, people. They add a sense of legitimacy to the medium. They they remind people that graphic novels don't have to be just superheroes. That they can yeah. be just a great way and a really a really artistic way to tell a story. So that is what we're talking about today. So before we get going, I do want to say that when I was in library school, since this is still at its core, somewhere deep down in there is a library podcast. Um, when I was in library school, go FSU. Um, what? We, I was working on a project making resource guides. So one of the ones I made was all about graphic novel memoirs. So I will, if you hear paper shuffling, that's that's Josh's old work. Look, there's a date on here. This was from July 14, 2013. <laughs> so some of these are a little older that I'm going to be mentioning today. But Angel has at least 
at least one from what we talked about in pre in pre-production <laughs> that is is slightly newer so there's some new ones on there the great thing about this this genre is even the classic ones even the ones that are 10 20 years old are still very much worth reading you know like unlike for superheroes superheroes can date really easily you know especially yes. for modern readers you'll they'll read like a spider-man story from like the 60s and you'll be like oh god please but you can read like american splendor or or something similar that that's very old and be like huh this is still relevant in a way because it's telling the story of a person's life in that moment in time so i think that's what they do really well one thing to consider for for all my collection development peeps out there is that these these novels these these titles we're going to talk about most of these are bestsellers most of these have been reviewed and and recognized and praised in places like Time Magazine, The New York Times, Publisher Weekly. You name it, if it's a graphic novel memoir and it's popular, it will it gets good coverage. You know, book lists, things like that. They they do these are the ones that that the prestigious journals will look at because these in their mind have more artistic value. So these are really easy to sell if you're having a hard time selling buying graphic novels for your collection or for some reason your graphic novel collection ever comes under under uh, scrutiny. These are ways to fight around that. And also, before I do forget, there is a database out there that many people are probably already aware of. It's from the company EBSCO, which if you're a librarian, that name means a lot to you. It probably brings you joy and it brings you chills all at the same time um but it's called the graphic novel core collection it's a great way for librarians and school specialists to determine which graphic novels to include in their collection they basically all the titles that are featured in there have been reviewed by professional organizations or they they link to those different different reviews so it's a a real easy way to find reviews on on graphic novels Okay, so I got my disclaimer out of the way there. Yes. So, Angel, I just flipped a coin, and it says heads, and I recall you said you wanted heads, so you can go first. (laughs) Yay! So, which... um, First, actually, you know what? I'm skipping ahead. So, let's talk a little bit about the genre. I know you really like the genre as well. I do. So, I kind of just went ahead and talked about what it is that appeals to me about the genre what what appeals to you about graphic novel memoirs i i like okay i like memoirs in general mm-hmm. um both your standard typical and graphic novel because i like being able to kind of peek into somebody's life and especially if it somehow can relate to me which mm-hmm. is one of the reasons why one of my favorites is my favorite and i will tell you what it is later oh, the um suspense I know. I don't do that often. <laughs> I normally just babble, but anyway, um I just I like being able to see life from other people's perspectives. I think I think that's one of the things lacking in society today is nobody seems to have enough empathy for everybody else. That um, seems like a valid criticism, yeah. <laughs> yes. And I think if people would go into life not judging as much and maybe thinking about things that, you know, 
I try to smile at everybody who comes through my door because you never know what kind of day somebody's having. And if my smile and telling you, you know, have a nice day can help out your day, then all the better. Absolutely. And I know that's true because I visited you at your job (laughs) over the weekend and you helped a little girl who didn't really want your help. No, she did not. Her dad wanted my help. Yes. She kind of just was nervous, I thought, from what I was observing of the conversation. So you didn't force yourself on her, which I thought was really cool. You let her just be like, oh, go explore. If you have questions, come ask me. But you were very inviting, and this little girl wanted super, like, female superheroes. Mm -hmm. And you were at the ready. I will say... I was disappointed that you didn't mention Squirrel Girl. We didn't um, have the first one of that one. I okay. always hesitate to suggest yeah. a new title to somebody if I know we don't have the first okay. issue. I'll let you off the hook then. <laughs> I'll let you off the hook. I feel bad because I don't want you to like jump it in the middle. Uh, I hear you. Especially for a little... Yeah. Not, I shouldn't say little. For kids she was getting like, into yeah. the, the, the new yeah. titles. But she ended up leaving with Supergirl and My Little Pony. So those are great choices, man. Yes. Uh, those My Little Pony comics. I haven't read one in a while, but Amira went several years ago, back before she got older and grew out of it. Um, she was real deep into the world of My Little Pony, which meant I was real deep into the world of My Little Pony. <laughs> And are you a brony, Josh? I was for a short period of time, man. I was like, <laughs> these stories are actually pretty good, man. Like, they were. I remember, I've, I'm sure I've mentioned this on the show before, but it started, like, one day she, like, was really sick for a couple for a couple days, and one of the days I was, I was home with her, and, like, it was right when, like, season one or something got added to Netflix or something like that, and we just watched, like, she was like, I want to watch My Own Pony, and I'm like, oh, God, what the hell is my life? What is even my life that I'm about to watch a My Little Pony marathon all day long? I was getting ready to get into this this world of My Little Pony, and I was like, oh, my God, I don't don't even know what's about to happen to me. But by, like, the third episode, I was like, this is like Lord of the Rings for little girls. (laughs) They're just going on epic adventures all the time in, like, this really mystical world. And I was like, this is really cool. I really enjoy this. And then one of our local conventions, um, Animate Miami, when that that same year I think it was ended up having like a bunch of the voice actors from My Little Pony and that was the first convention that Amir ever went to it was the first one we ever went to as a family and I was like really there's just such like a really good experience that like My Little Pony still to this day like has a real special place in my heart so mad love to anyone out there reading and watching My Little Pony I have no idea what's going on anymore with it I'm out of the world now but for all of you lucky enough to stay in the world, keep on keeping on, man. Okay, so back to back to what you like about graphic <laughs> novel memoirs. Somehow we got a my little oh yeah, the little girl. So yeah, you you like to greet people with smiles and exactly. you like to to empathize. I think, well, yeah, I like I think memoirs give you a different perspective on somebody else's life, kind of get you outside of your own world. Mm-hmm. Either make especially. You know, it's one of those things. I think, especially as a kid, you don't always realize, you know, the big world around you. Yeah. 
And since kids can relate to graphic novels, I think, better than sometimes they can relate to books, then, you know. Yeah, I I would say with graphic novel memoirs, you have that... um, you have that sense of even if it's a story you don't relate to on a on a one like one hundred percent 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 and there's still things you can take away from it that you can put yourself in the story a little bit. It, I it I think it helps nurture that that empathy because I think maybe a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's art too. So you see these drawing representations of people and you see their lives and. It maybe it just like with a movie or just like a TV show, it's easier for people to identify and relate to somebody if they see them versus if they're just reading about them. Yes. Okay. Awesome. So, like I said, we flip the coin and you get to go first. So let's start off. You you left the people hanging. What is your favorite graphic novel? My memoir? favorite graphic novel, as of. This moment today is Relish. Is this your favorite graphic novel or your favorite graphic novel memoir? Both. Both. So it's both. Yes. Fantastic. As long as we're talking graphic novels and not uh, trade paperbacks of, like, issues of comics. Okay, so we're talking about original graphic novels. Original graphic novels. It is my favorite. Okay. Um, It's called Relish, My Life in the Kitchen, and it's by Lucy Kinsley. I love her art first of all um but most of all i really identified with her story um it's about she has two parents who both cook um you get not only do you get a cool story but you also get recipes throughout the book (laughs) um and she travels to mexico where my dad's family is from so it was one of those, as I was reading it, I'm like, oh, my God, I know that place. So, <laughs> um, but really, it honestly was kind of a reflection on my life, I guess. I grew up with a dad who cooked all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, not so much my mom, but my dad cooked all the time. So it was fun to, I don't know. You, you you don't always think growing up that there's somebody out there who has a life like yours. Yeah. So. And the art is really good in that book too. Oh, I love the art. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, we um, a a coworker of mine, we we're back in my old position, is a really big fan of cookbooks, and she used to have a cookbook book club that she ran at our library, and then like every other month or whatever they. They picked a cookbook that they would all try recipes out of, and they they picked also a lot of cookbooks that had stories with them too, you know, like travel travel related things. And I told her about that book one time, so I think it might be making its way into that library's uh, cookbook club. Yay! And yeah, so yeah, relish according to because that made it onto my little. My little resource guide that I made many years ago that um, was favorably reviewed by Publisher Weekly. So, what's up? What's up? Anything else you want to say? I like, I also like her illustrations with like, I don't know if you remember, there's one page that sticks out particular. It's, it's a cheese illustration. 
because her mom worked at a fancy. Sounds vaguely familiar. It's been a while since I read this book. I'm not even sure if I ever finished. Mom worked at a fancy like um. I want to say it was like Dean and DeLuca or William Sonoma or something like Mm -hmm. that, and she's saying about how there was a cheesemonger, and so she did this whole like two page illustration on cheese, and the types of cheese like cow's cheese and uh the rinds on cheese and it's just really cool i like cheese so i I like cheese (laughs) basically what i'm trying to tell you guys is um i really like cheese yes exactly (laughs) that's cool man ain't no no shame in like cheese a good cheese is it's hard to find you know and when you find a good cheese you just gotta hold on to it forever just don't let it go don't let it go all right anything else you'd like to say about relish um no I think that's it that's I just I highly recommend it and I second that and I think it's a great kickoff to our graphic novel uh rundown here so for me my favorite graphic novel memoir and definitely in the top 10 of my all-time favorite graphic novels I don't know where in that top 10 it could be anywhere between 1 and 10 (laughs) um is Ellen Forney's Marbles. It's called, the full name is Marbles, Mania, Depression, Michelangelo, and Me, a graphic memoir. It came out in 2012. This book, um, in this book, Ellen Forney confronts her bipolar disorder, the only way she knows how, which is through her cartoons and art. This memoir attempts to explore the connection between creativity and bipolar disorder. She, um... She basically chronicles when she was first diagnosed with bipolar. That her, you know, it's for her hereditary. She also attempts to reconcile it for for a good chunk of the book. Is her trying to explore why it seems like a lot of artists are bipolar and what it is about being bipolar that unleashes creativity she also um a good chunk of this book is her trying to like figure out what medicine works and what medicine doesn't and whether or not she even wants to take medicine because she's afraid what it could do to her career as an artist if she's afraid you know like like many people who suffer from mental illness they're afraid that by getting treatment that they'll somehow no longer be themselves and so it explores a lot of those those themes. Much like you, this is kind of a personal one for me. Not because I have bipolar, but I have suffered from depression. And I've had many friends and loved ones in my life who have suffered from depression. And I've had uh, family members in my life that have been bipolar. So there's a lot going on in this book. And the way she handles it, I think, is very very touching and very real and very stark in ways that can make people uncomfortable when it hits too close to home especially if the subject does hit close to home but I think there's a lot of levity here as well that kind of tempers that her art is is fantastic I love you can tell in her art as she's chronicling her journey you know her art style changes depending on how manic she might be in in one particular moment or not which i, yeah. I thought was a, a real nice touch 
I can tell you that that particular one in Kirkus Review in 2012 was on its best nonfiction list for 2012. It is definitely a, a must-read if you're a fan of graphic novel memoirs, and it's definitely a must-read if you are suffering from depression. It is a great way to realize that you are not alone and that the things you are afraid of and the things that you fear and the things that you're worried about as far as treatment goes is something that's really common. And in the book, she she does kind of jump from doctor to doctor and there are times where she's been going to a doctor for many, many years and she's like, well, why am I not better yet? Why am I not better yet? I understand I've been talking to you for years now and I'm not better. And it's a great way to see somebody else go through that journey of therapy and, and psychiatry is not is not the same as other medicines. It's not the there there's not it's not a cure, it's not a fix, it's not a just a quick fix, it's a journey. And in order yeah. for it to work is something you have to buy into and you have to participate in it it's not you know like when you go to the doctor because you have a sprained ankle they can they can tell you what you need to do and they can do a lot of it for you if you have you know for certain things they can do a lot of it for you but just like any other ailment once you leave the doctor's office you have to continue to take your medicine or continue the treatment that was recommended and the same goes true for for your mental health so i think this book is is really good in helping people realize that there's no there's no simple solution and there's nothing wrong with having mental health issues and that you're not alone get get the help you need find those family and and, and friends in your life that will stick with you and are there and supportive and everything's going to be fine i i really think this book is is a great is a great read just for the for the literary value of it but especially if you're you're out there and you feel alone i think this is a great book for that maybe we should stop podcasting so late i feel like every time we podcast past nine i like it real serious (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah that's that's all right one of my one of my picks is pretty serious too (laughs) so so you know like we're just this is um librarians assemble you know your premier audio resource for all things you know, cry-related, emotional yeah. support. We're just an emotional support group at this point. Yes. Our new podcasting schedule has found that Angel and I are real emotional after 9 o'clock, and we're here for you. And we just yeah. want you to be okay, people. We're here for you. You can reach us at Assemble Podcast on Twitter. Tell us about about your your journeys, man. <laughs> for real, though. No, like, but for If real. any of you out there are yeah. having issues... You, if you feel alone and you feel more like there's than, more no, than welcome, Josh and I have been through some stuff. Whew, girl, so between girl, the two of us, we'll, we'll get you. <laughs> we are there to listen. You can message us at Assemble Podcast. You can tweet at us. The Gmail account is librariansassemble at gmail.com. Hit us up. We're, you're not alone in the world. Nope. All right, Angel, what's the next one on your list? My next uber cheerful one. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna try to find another a cheer an app. Good luck. No, neither. Know. The three of mine are not cheerful at all. The other three I have. Been. I'm looking at this list I have. I don't. I'm starting to wonder if they even make cheerful graphic novel <laughs> memoirs. Um. But what would a cheerful graphic novel memoir be, really? You know, like. Right. 
I'm going to say this one because I think it's one that everybody should read. It was the first graphic novel memoir that I ever read. And again, when I say you need to form some empathy, especially when you're a kid, I think I was, I don't even remember what year it came out. Oh, um, if you tell House me. by Art Spiegelman. Yes, that came out in 97, I think. Because I want to say I was in elementary school or middle school. When I read according it. To, oh, well, according to this, The Complete Mouse, and I don't know. Oh, it came out in 1992. Okay, so yeah. So the complete version came out in 1999. I want to say I read it either in fifth or sixth grade, so either late elementary or early middle school. What issue number is this? Because this is the first time I think I've ever had, like, really detailed notes in front of me. <laughs> it's only taken me one year to do this. Exactly. Um... But it was one. Of, it was the first graphic novel memoir I ever read. It was and, pretty much the one that kind of put it on the map. I know. Um, now I forget the name of it. Never mind. It was. It was the first real mainstream one. Yeah. Well, and as a kid, I had read, you know, a couple. Um, ho- it's based on the Holocaust. I should put that out there. Yeah. Uh, so we're we're. Um, we're just trying to cheer you up, people. <laughs> We're just getting all the good stuff here. Yes. It's uh, it's based on the Holocaust, and it's one of those things, as a kid, you read, you know, Anne Frank and a couple, you know, other things, because they, you know, the school is trying to teach you about mm-hmm. history. But for me, what really drilled home, I guess the best way to say it, is the wrongness of what happened mm-hmm. was Mouse. Yeah. It's um, the Jews are portrayed by mice, it's and Art, the it's Nazis Art are I don't cats. Know if we did that. And it's one gentleman's um, uh, artistic uh, reiteration of stories his dad would tell him. Yes. Of how his dad survived the Holocaust, and how unfortunately people his dad knew and loved and cared about did not. So. Yes, and it was um, done by Art Spiegelman, who yeah. actually won the Pulitzer Prize in 1992. Yes, with this book, he was uh, he was kind of a famous cartoonist already at the time. He did a lot of New Yorker stuff and a lot of, and a lot of things like that. He also, speaking of really um, really uplifting tales. Art Spiegelman loves uplifting tales. He also did a graphic novel kind of memoir called In the Shadow of No Towers, which uh, oh. is about the September 11th attack. Yeah. So, so he's out there just, you know, making everyone feel good. But no, the Mouse definitely is a must read. And it actually is, you were saying how as a, as a kid this really helped um, bring the Holocaust to you know made it more real made it more tangible and yeah and recognizable to you this is and i'm sure many people already know this this is actually on a lot of high school reading lists now really yes it's i did not know that it's on a lot of college reading lists now too as well it started on a lot of college reading lists over the past several years i remember a girlfriend of mine when we were in college had it on her list um for one of her classes and I was like, oh, shit, that's a good book. I'm like, oh, you don't need to go to the bookstore. We, are, we already own that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, yeah. It, and then as a in the library over the past several years, I've noticed that it like 
more high schoolers are coming in looking for it. So it is it is being taught now in schools, which is very important. Yes. It's received positive reviews from like Library Journal, the New York Times, the New Yorker, the School Library Journal, a lot of places like that. So obviously it won the Pulitzer Prize in 1992. One of the things I think this book does really well is blend humor in with the tragedy because his dad is just a lovable <laughs> a lovable character and and really really quirky in this in this tale and what this book does a lot what's kind of forgotten about a lot with this book is because of just how well the actual story of the holocaust is told in the in those parts of the book the bonding the main part of the tale was how Art Spiegelman bonds with his father over this. Like, yeah. for growing up, he kind of, like, thought his dad was weird. You know, like, they'd go out to restaurants and he and his mom would, like, sm- like put all the sugar and all the condiments in their, in their pockets and then their purse to take home with him. And they never wanted anything to go to waste. And they never wanted this, that. Like, they would ho- hoard onto things. They would really hold onto things. And as a kid, Art Spiegelman was very embarrassed of that. And it, as he learned more about his dad's experience in the Holocaust, it, it became clear to him that at any like his dad now grew up in a world where at any moment everything could be taken away from you. Yes. And so that's where he was coming from. So it was a way, like you were saying, with empathy, it was a way for him to bond and empathize with his father, and like they built a closer relationship than. They probably otherwise would have had if he didn't actually sit down and listen to his dad's stories. So I think the the moral there is sit down with your your elderly family members and learn their stories. Exactly. Which leads me to my next pick. Go ahead and do your next pick because I'm going to take a... Do your next one because I'm going to take a sip of water. Okay. So my next pick is a a good segue of please sit down with the older people in your family. Um... It's, again, Lucy Kinsley. I love her. She's <laughs> one of my favorite graphic novel artists ever. Um, it's called Displacement, a travelogue. Um, it is about Lucy when she was 20-something and is has decided to go on a cruise with her grandparents who, have, who are beginning to have dementia and other issues. Mm-hmm that you have when you get older um especially uh, it's her grandfather is physically limited and her grandma has actual dementia Mm -hmm. um and it's about her trying to take this last you know big trip with them and it she really it's one of those things my grandma is 86 and thank god is spry and her mental faculties are all with her and Mm -hmm. i my, my in-laws will never hear this. I trust my baby far more with my 86-year-old grandmother than I do with my in-laws. <laughs> you let well, me know when we're done if you want me to... Uh... They'll never hear this. Okay. It's... <laughs> <laughs> my, my father-in-law barely knows how to operate his phone, so okay. I'm not worried about a Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. But um, it's one of those things that it really drilled home for me 
one of the one of the big reasons why I love spending time with my grandma is because I get to hear all of her fun stories about our crazy family mm-hmm. and her parents growing up and she lost her parents well her dad early in her life um my great grandma actually lasted until her late 90s so that was awesome because i remember my great grandma which oh, i'm wow, hoping that bucky will be able to remember his great grandma that would be nice um but it's one of those things that she and i get to you know chat stories and i learn more about my family by being able to talk to her about it and the nerdy note taker that I am, I do go home and I write notes sometimes in my, you know, I don't have a journal, but I have a, like a day planner. Mm -hmm. So if I spent the day with her and learned anything interesting, I jot it on that day. And so it's one of those things you get to learn more about your family. And it was for me, displacement was one of those things where it was, you need to, again have empathy and take the time to talk to your family members not just older but everybody because you never know you know how long you're going to get with everybody again i'm so cheerful tonight (laughs) that is 100 percent true a little bit of facts that i just looked up for displacement it came out in 2015 and appeared on numerous things but on lucy kinsley's webpage or are the ones I'm reading this off of, but I know it was on many, many lists that year. Mm-hmm. But it appeared on Vulture's top 10 graphic novels of 2015, as well as the AV Club's favorite graphic novels of 2015. So awesome. And I guess that brings me into asking you it looks like she has a new book, Something New Tales from a Makeshift Bride, that came out this year. Have you got a chance to read that one? I have not. It's in my Amazon. It's literally in my cart on Amazon. That's funny. I just haven't pulled the trigger. And I thought you might ask me about that. And I was tempted to buy it the other day when I got no sleep. That's funny. It looks like she has something else in the works called New Kid coming out pretty soon sometime. her Her art looks like, for those who are unfamiliar... Her art is basically the, and I, I'm using adult to mean like grown up, not like adult movie. <laughs> um, her, her is her art is more of like Raina Talamire's art, but for adults. Yes, exactly. So if you love Raina Talamire, you chances may very are well like Lucy. You might very well like Lucy. And speaking of, I know. This isn't on my list, but it just made me think of it. Raina Talmire's books, um, like Smile mm-hmm. and Sisters, they're they're fictionalized versions of her actual life. So in many, like a lot of times, I think of those those titles as graphic novel memoirs because they kind of are, you know, stories from her life that she's just you know changed some details from, but. So, if you've read those, then you have an introduction there to what a graphic novel memoir is kind of all about. Or if you want to introduce your children to graphic novel memoirs, that's a great way to do it, and not and not bore them by telling them, "Well, this is a nonfiction book." You're like, "Well, this is a story." <laughs> <laughs> so, for me, I'm gonna go with another 
Maybe. All right. I'm going to find one that has a happy ending real quick. So I'm going to go. Are there those? Yeah, this one kind of does. I mean, somebody dies, but it's still more happy than the rest <laughs> on this damn memoir or this damn list. Okay. So um, Steven Siegel's It's a Bird was published by Vertigo in 2005. He, you know, Steven Siegel is the guy who created uh, Big Hero 6, if I'm not mistaken, the comic book. But this memoir focuses on him as a comic book writer when he was asked to take over writing Superman comics. He had a lot of writer's block doing that because um, his father, at the same time, his father went missing. And he didn't, you know, like... He was worried about his father, and he didn't really know how to relate with a character like Superman. How do you write about a man who's invincible and can do anything while you're feeling so helpless and small, and you feel like the world isn't fair? Turn like, If I remember correctly, it's been a while since I read the story, but his father had dementia, and that's why he went missing. So they they found him, and you know, I think the story and I can't remember if he dies in the end or not. But his father was sick, so throughout the tale, as he kind of comes to terms with his father's illness, he also comes to terms with how we as people use superheroes to to relate to the world, and how superheroes are kind of our modern day fairy tales, and how they tell us stories about our lives and about things and people that are bigger than than life and how we can strive to be better so it does it does have a lot of uplifting values at the end because at the end for spoiler alert steven siegel was a writer of superman for a while so obviously he got it done but he he overcomes his writer's block and he learns to find he learns to empathize with Superman. He learns to find the humanity in a character that's above mankind. And he does that through dealing with his sick father. It's one, it's a book that's kind of hard to find these days. I look for it every now and then because my copy's kind of ragged. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it came out like over 10 years ago now from Vertigo. It was relatively popular. It got pretty good. Re- it got good reviews in Publisher Week- Publishers Weekly and Booklist. It's really it's a good way. I think it's a good bridge for people who are like really only into superhero comics to dip their toes into the other types of comics that are out there in the world. Because this one deals, you know, obviously with a person's life, but also superheroes. So that's my next pick. Do you have any... When we were doing pre-production, I think that was the only ones you had. Do you have any others on your list? Otherwise, um, I can kind of go from a couple more of mine. I have one, um, but I, I'm ashamed to say I only know what year it came out in. I don't know a whole lot of else about it. Uh, it's called Babies in Black. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. I Astrid Kircher, mm-hmm. I think is how you pronounce it. Um it's a love story uh, of her. Um, oh my gosh, my brain is smush. 
The Beatles. She knew the mm-hmm. Beatles before they got big. Yes, this is she the story of Astrid Kircher and Stuart Sutcliffe. There we go. There we go. That's the one I'm trying to talk about. Yes. But yes. Uh, he left the band, though, before they yes. wrote the fame He off. was their original drummer, I believe, right? I think so. I think he was the original drummer. I did actually read this book. It's just, he started I, the band with John Lennon, right? Yeah. Okay. But that one is... I, the story was good, but for me the art was even was what made it a really great uh, graphic novel. I I always loved the Beatles. Anything the Beatles. Um, oh, he was the original bass guitarist for the Beatles. I'm sorry. I knew there was somebody out there who was going to be screaming at him. So he was there before Paul. <laughs> So, yeah, Paul took over for him when he left. But, um, but yes, I enjoyed uh, it very much. I, I like the art. I, it was all black and white. and mm-hmm. The art is adorable. Yes, I enjoyed it. Very Feels very French New Wave. Yes. It's really, it's really, it's a, it's a good book. It's a relatively newer book. It came out, I think, 2011. Yeah. Uh, it's good. Uh, there's also another... A book similar to it called The Fifth Beetle. Yes. That's not That is the first graphic novel that my grandmother ever read. Oh, that's awesome. And that one's the Brian Epstein story. So that was he was the the manager of the Beatles, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Brian Epstein. So they both r- roughly came out in a couple years different between them, but yeah, those books also always get like clumped together. Yes. But Evic Twari, right? Yes. Is the author of the Fifth mm-hmm. Beetle? I got to meet him at the Miami Book Fair awesome. two years ago. Oh, the Miami Book Fair is looking like it's going to be pretty stacked this year. I haven't looked to see what comic people are coming because they always get pretty good comic people. We usually get a lot of them at our booth. Um, mm-hmm. Get a lot of signings. That's how I got to meet him. Awesome. He came and signed a whole bunch of books, and I got him to sign my grandma's copy. We should. Um... I should pull some strings with you, and I should see if we can uh, do some podcast recording for the Miami Book Fair this year. How awesome would that be? That would be awesome. Record from the Tate's booth. Woot. Woot, woot. All right. Um, I'll, I'll hold my breath on, on that happening. Not not because I don't trust Tate's. I don't trust myself to remember to ask. Um, <laughs> I can do the asking. Okay. Yeah, let's see. What's <laughs> I'll, I'll check out the list to see what comic people are even coming. Let's yeah. see what's up. Miami Book Fair for anyone in the in Florida. Like I, I think it's worth the drive if you're in Florida at all. Totally. Sorry, I. I it's worth braving the sorry. Miami traffic. Yeah, uh, if you're in South Florida, you can take TriRail. It's pretty easy to get to with <laughs> TriRail too. Um, yeah, the Miami Book Fair is fantastic. We missed it last year, but we've been pretty much every single year since. I can't remember when, but. Yeah. Yes, I missed it last year. They wouldn't let me work while I was pregnant. Oh, those <laughs> savages! They didn't want me to be stuck in the no. ninety degree heat. <laughs> uh, also, last year was really last year was really stormy. It was really stormy. Yes, I Anthony remember that. Fell and scraped up like half the skin off of his shin. Who did that? Anthony. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I I remember that because I am. A member, I was the vice president then of a local library association, mm-hmm. and it, we had planned some big thing where all like a bunch of our members were going to meet at Tri Rail and try and go down there and all that fun stuff. And uh, yeah, everyone got rained on. 
I didn't go with them. I was like, yeah, I'm not doing that. But the people who did go basically just got flooded. So The year before that was the year of the bees. Yes. Oh, my God. I was there for that one. Ugh. And it was so hot. Oh, God almighty. Yep. But it's cool. It's at the, um, I forget the name of the count campus now but anyways it's out of college the miami dade community college maybe i don't remember i thought it was the art college that's neither here nor there (laughs) we're both probably wrong i think is is why i'm moving on because i i don't think it's the art college but it might not be the community college either so here let's everyone we're going to google it's miami dade college so it's not a community college and it's not the art college. He's not a good guy. He's not a bad guy. He's the Miami Dade College. Okay, so <laughs> that joke probably didn't work on anyone. Okay, so all right, I have a couple more books on my list then. Go for it. One of my favorite graphic novel memoirs is a book called Epile- Epileptic. And all of my notes just flew away, so we're going to take a pause in the recording. And we're back. So I'm never going to be able to say this name correctly. I don't know why the word epileptic always comes out of my mouth weird. But anyways, (laughs) it does. So this book is by an author, David Bouchard. But on the book itself, it's just David B. Because that's how how, uh, French this particular book is. It was originally published in in French and was translated for American readers or English readers, and maybe came out everywhere, I believe, in 2005, but it was originally published in 1996. Kim Thompson is the translator. It came out here in America through Fantagraphic Books and Pantheon Books. This is a story about a young boy, David B., when he was nine years old, when his older brother was diagnosed with severe epilepsy. See, I can say epilepsy really well, but I can't say epileptic. Like, I don't know what, the, I don't know what this is about. <laughs> anyway, so it, this the whole story takes place in the 1970s in France. And it tells the story of David's family's struggle to deal with his brother's epilepsy. And the role the disease plays on his own life. It's a real, it's a tome, man. I'm not going to lie. It's an investment. It's a huge book. It's all in black and white. It's fantastic, though. It's another one that goes through a journey, man, because you you go through David's life from, like I said, when he was nine to when he's an adult and all about his brother's journey with epilepsy and how their relationship morphed over the years from being one thing before the epilepsy to something completely different after the epilepsy. And the art is really, really well done because David will pull himself into his own little world while dealing with this stuff. So a lot of uh, there's a lot of like magical realism, if you will, in the book, because there's a lot of like weird drawings and weird battle scenes and weird like, you know, fantasy like things going on on the periphery because it's this child's mind trying to make sense of everything and then when he tries to draw when he draws his brother having seizures i thought was always really interesting too because it was the way the book like they're heavy blacks in this book man really heavy blacks and the way the um 
the art would portray these seizures, like the the spirals and the black and white spirals that would kind of go in and out is like enough to give you a seizure reading it. It is <laughs> definitely I cannot recommend this book enough. I it is huge though, so it, it's an investment, but it's I think it's really well worth it. I think it's if you can find it for you. Know, I haven't I you know I haven't even looked at adding it to our library's collection yet. Shame on me, but. It's another one that's. Added, I will read it. It's another one that's not super easy to find these days. Um, I can let you borrow my copy. I have a relatively new copy, so it is really, really good. According to this little thing I just pulled up on Amazon, it is hailed at, by the Comics Journal as one of Europe's most important and innovative comic books. Or no, I'm sorry, he's a com. Uh, David B is hailed as one of Europe's most important innovative comic artists. But I would definitely put this book up there as probably one of the best European comics out there. If you're a fan of European comics, you probably already know about it. If you don't know about it, go find it. It's available to purchase on Amazon, I can tell you that much. I don't know if library vendors will have it. Okay, one... Let's see... All right, let's do two more. Two that people everywhere are probably like, are you guys going to talk about the two big ones? Yes. Let's do that right now. So let's get probably this one out of the way first. Craig Thompson's Blankets, an illustrated novel, came out in 2005 from Top Shelf Productions. This, How great would this be? Like, I already have everything here. You know what? Show notes might be coming back, everybody. Show notes might be coming back. Um... <laughs> So, Craig Thompson's Blankets is a memoir that focuses on the exploits of a young man growing up in rural Wisconsin in a deeply religious family. Thompson meets his first love at a religious camp, and the heartbreak of that loss causes him to question all of his beliefs. This is another book that is highly recommended by most publishers, was a New York Times bestseller, if I'm not mistaken, appeared on every every kind of top list there was in 2005, and still appears on many must-read graphic novel lists it's another one that's a it's a tome it's a big one not quite as big as epileptic but still really really big it's one that i i enjoyed um i wouldn't i wouldn't say it's one of my favorites i i i'm in the same boat yeah i mean i understand its value and and I'm not taking anything away from it. And I completely understand why there are people out there who just truly gravitate toward this book. I am not one of them. But I, again, I would recommend it. Like if there, if there was somebody looking into the genre and they were interested, I liked it enough that I would say, give this a, give this a chance. Another one, unlike that one, another one that is fantastic and a must-read is Alison Bechtel's Fun Home, a family tragic comic. It came out in 2006. It was a classic from the moment it first appeared. It tells the story of Alison Bechtel's, what she believes, closeted homosexual father and his role in her life. I remember this one now. Yeah, this uh, this is a funny and heart-wrenching story. It was recently turned into a Broadway musical and won a Tony Award. Really? Yes, it was the first musical. It was the first musical to win a Tony Award that was completely done by women. Like all of the writers and the 
the director were women. Well, that's badass. And I think it was the, if I'm not mistaken, but I'm pretty sure that's what I remember hearing. So this memoir touches on family secrets, homosexuality, and self-discovery. Again, it was one of Time Magazine's best books of the year in 2006. It's still, I mean, obviously because the Broadway came out, but it was still on the New York Best Time, New York Bestsellers list just last year when the when the um, Broadway musical came out. It again, I, I think it's a must read. It's a great way to kind of get to know how other people live. It's a it's a great way to explore how people deal with tragedy. One of the the things that's I think people really gravitate toward with this book is how Alison Bechtel, who is who who is a lesbian, how there's no proof that her dad was homosexual. She just kind of pieces it together based on context clues of his life. And she's probably right. But again, we only have her her telling of it, you know? Like, I think that's one of the things, as a literary, as a literature major, one of the things that appealed to me is she's a great narrator, but she's also, you know, a biased narrator, and you're getting only her side of the story. So it's interesting to see how she's she's coming to terms with what's happened in her life maybe she's projecting that onto her father to relate better to him she also thinks her father killed himself but it was actually ruled an accidental death so like there's all this conjecture going on within this book it's a great story it's a great memoir of a young woman's life from you know when she was a little kid all the way up till she's an adult tells a story about her dad mostly and her relationship to her dad but it also tells a story about her discovering that she herself was a lesbian and coming out to her mom and 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 all of that fun stuff so i think it's a really good book i i doubt there are many people right now who haven't heard of it but if you're one of those people who haven't read it you should definitely do that and finally i don't understand how I got this far without doing it. I know I just said there was two left, but I, I, mess, I missed one of the biggest one. Persepolis by Set Rappi. forget what her first name is right now. I'm sorry. Let me look it up. But Persepolis is the story of a young girl growing up in Iran in the 1970s during the Iranian Revolution. Marjane Set Rappi is her name. So it's, again, another great one. It's also another one that appears on many high school and college reading lists because it's a great way to understand history through through graphic novels, through art, through her story. It, for many people, and, and I will say for myself as well, it's kind of a modern-day mouse. It not only tells the story of something that's very historically important, but it also tells a story of something that's very personal to to um, the author. So it was also turned into a movie, I think, in 2007. So And again, she did the art as well for that. It's a really good book. Part one is her childhood. Part two is her adulthood when she goes to France after the, you know, to, after shit hits the fan. So... <laughs> It's it's absolutely worth worth reading, and I think 
that's it as far as our must reads but there are many many good graphic novel memoirs out there and you should find them and you should read them yes Angel do you have anything else you'd like to talk about before we get on out of here I think that's about it Uh, except now that I know I have like three more books I need to read now yeah so get them (laughs) at your local library or ask your friend who probably owns all of these if you can borrow them next time he's around um Awesome. So if you have titles that you'd like to suggest or would like to to say where we went wrong or how dare us omit something, you can reach <laughs> us at Assemble Podcast on Twitter. We're also on Facebook. Just type yes, in Librarians Assemble. We're on there. The website is librariansassemble.com. You can find all of our all of our past episodes you can find links to all of our social media the email account all that good stuff is on there speaking of the email i know i said it earlier it's librariansassemble at gmail.com and finally please take a moment out of your busy lives to rate and review and subscribe if you can but definitely rate and review the podcast it really helps us climb up on the itunes charts even if you're not listening on itunes itunes is still the the top dog in the in the yard and and their charts really do help determine a lot of things in the podcasting world and we would really really appreciate it so if you could just take a couple seconds to leave us a review and a a rating we we'd really appreciate it so you can share it yeah you can find us though not just on itunes we're also on stitcher player.fm google play Music, I think it's called Google Music Play. I don't remember what that service is called, but we're there. So if you're an Android user, you have a couple different ways to find us. And obviously, we're on the website if you want to just listen from your computer. I don't know who does that anymore, but if if you're one of those people, <laughs> you can do that too. We enjoy you as well. Hey, we're here for you, man. And as you found out earlier in the show, we're here for you, man. Just reach out. Talk to us. We're here. Yep. So that's it. Please check in with us. Say hi. We're saying hi back. Oh, before I go, I just the other day saw some really sad news. One of my favorite podcasts and one of the resources I use a lot, Panels.net. For those who don't know, Panels.net was a website dedicated to comic books. And they really approached it in from a, a really literary standpoint. And they wrote a lot of great articles about comics, about the comic book industry, about you know representation in comics a lot of good stuff was going on there they had a com uh, they had a podcast called o comics that was really good and actually helped me a lot when i was doing comic book programming at my library was one of the things that i thought you know i i think this would be a good thing to try to do as a podcast as well like they're doing it from more of like just a general reader standpoint i thought well i could I could do that from a librarian standpoint. They are no longer going to be around. They were owned. Oh, no. They are already owned by Book Riot, which is a great website, by the way, for for literature, mm-hmm. for books. So they are going. They are being brought into the fold. So Panels.net will no longer be a website, but they will have a vertical on on Book Riot's website. So their Book Riot is going to have more comic book content. You can find them there. But the podcast itself is not going to be around anymore. So if you want something else to listen to, I don't know why you would want to listen to anything but my voice. 
But if you want <laughs> somebody else's voice in your ear for a little bit, go listen to some back issues of O Comics. If you're a heavy listener of this one and you start listening to that one, you'll probably notice there are times where I blatantly steal from them and I never even meant to. But I'll go back and listen to something like, oh, my God, that is where I I heard that or that is where (laughs) I got that. And for that, I apologize. But also I do it solely out of love because you guys are so great. So that is all I have now. Please come back and see us again in two weeks. Angel, it was nice talking to you again. Thank you, as always, for having me. Hey, this is your home now. Pretty soon, this is going to be your podcast, and I will not long, I will no longer be a part of it. <laughs> you will always be a part of it. Ugh. All right. Take care, everybody. Rate, review, subscribe. Bye. Yes. Bye.